Episode 6, coming straight at ya, World of Mixed Martial Arts, your host here, Model Leon. On this episode, we're going to have a segment from one of our very own at toughforums.com. He goes by the name of Divok. He's been following Mixed Martial Arts for many, many, many moons now. Now, Divok, can you give us a little uh, little bit here on uh, your MMA experience? Attended classes and seminars from some of the world's most respected coaches and fighters in MMA. Late Master Carlson Gracie. Oh, El Guapo, well Guapo. Divox going to give us a segment on a Pride Ring versus UFC cage. We're also going to have some news on Crow Cop, some dream news, taking you from some European MMA to some Japanese MMA, and then we're going to go to use some UFC news also to finish it off. But first, we're going to hear from Divox. Take it away. I'd like to start off by thanking Matt Leon for allowing me to express my opinions on different subjects from time to time on the World of MMA, the official podcast of the Tough Forums. With that said, the topic I was asked to tackle in this episode is in regards to fights that take place in the ring as opposed to the octagon. The two I'm comparing are the UFC cage and the pride ring because most of the great debates out there pertain to these two in specific. Although different organizations use different square footage in both their cages and their rings, the Pride Ring seems to be one of the larger areas when it comes to it. The total square footage of the Pride Ring, 529 feet of fighting surface. The Pride Ring is 7 meters per side, which is approximately 23 feet, with an additional foot of space outside the five ropes used in MMA, as opposed to three or four ropes used in boxing. Other rings I've seen are as small as 16 feet per side, and trust me, when you're standing on the other side, and someone's trying to punch and kick you, it seems very small. The octagon used in the UFC is considerably bigger in total square footage at about 745.5 total feet. That gives combatants 30 feet from point to point in the cage. Not only is the cage much larger, but it obviously has much less dramatic angles. I understand this is obvious, but some of the debates I see out there, I don't think some folks are understanding just how much it means to a fighter with great stand-up to be able to cut off the ring, use those 90-degree angles, to force their opponents where they want them to be before the next strike they want to throw. One of the biggest examples of this is obviously Mirko Krokop during his UFC tenure. If you watch Mirko's footwork in the ring as opposed to the cage, you'll see a huge difference in effectiveness. Great strikers in the octagon are constantly circling, guys like Chuck, Machido, and Rampage. Whether it's defensive or offensive, it doesn't matter, their feet are moving. In the ring, slider movements are necessary to get the same effect. You don't see too many folks spinning out in a cage, rather they need to grapple out of a bad position against the cage. Tim Silvio was able to make a wonderful waffle prints on Vin Brandon Vera's back against the cage. In a ring, Vera would have uh, had an easier time getting away on the straight parts of the ring, and Silvio would have had made more space to throw strikes if you were using the corner of the ring without Brandon being able to get away. When I first started doing the research for this topic, I was looking at it as a cage versus ring type of deal. When I was deciding what side of the fence uh, to come on, I came to realize that I'm a selfish MMA fan. I enjoy watching both to the fullest and realize that it depends on who is fighting whether I prefer the cage or ring. When I'm watching Randy Couture, who in my opinion has some of the best footwork in a cage and some of the best cage-specific cage tactics of any MMA fighter in the world, obviously I prefer the cage. I prefer him uh, watching Worker Krokop or Shogun fight. It's exciting to see them use the ropes to avoid a strike, so I like the ring better. They use them again in the same fluid motion to return a strike, bouncing back off of the ropes as they did avoiding one. So instead of a cage versus ring report, I thought just pointing out some of the differences us as fans should be aware of when we're watching our favorite fighters go at it, sometimes out of the normal element. 
So in closing this up, I came to the conclusion that neither is better as a whole, but both rather bring something different. In the cage, you can use the fencing for control to make sure that there can be no sweep to one side, so you can really trust that you can drop some shots without having to worry about getting bumped or swept towards the cage. I think in some aspects it takes away from the submission expert's ability to defend from bottom. And in some instances where in the ring, even when close to the ropes, you can still move in either direction. That is until you fall out of the ring, but, but then you just get restarted in the center and have a chance to finish up your sub or sweep anyway. For guys like Tito with limited striking, in my opinion, but great wrestling, the cage serves as a tool, and for someone who relies on their jits to keep out of trouble against a wrestler, the cage can be like a den in hallway, leaving only a narrow room for escape. But then again, this is MMA in the days of BG, BJJ versus wrestling versus boxing versus Muay Thai are becoming more and more a thing of the past. To use newer stars as an example, like K-Flow, who is a whiz on the ground but seems to use his ground game just to get off strikes and control position and defend against subs instead of applying them. Or Machida, who's great on the feet and on the ground, as we saw against his dispatching against a much more powerful striker in Sukujo. All in all, I have to say that my view has changed as the sport has grown. I think the debate regarding which is better is always going to come back to the fans um, and who their favorite fighters are. I can say that I could see the action much better at Real Deal in Vegas than at any UFC show that I've been to. Being able to see all the way across is better for the live audience, in my opinion. At UFC shows, I always find myself watching the big screen instead of the live action where at Pride, I didn't take my eyes off of the ring. So I say I enjoy both the aspects of both. Neither are perfect, but neither is our growing sport. Next time, catch my piece on Shuto, which is coming up. Thanks, Matt Leone. Appreciate it. Thank you, Divock. That was very, very informative. I hope everyone found that as interesting and and useful as I did. Now we're going to jump in into some of the international mixed martial arts that's going around the world. It is being displayed on Mirko Fupovic Krokop's website, which is www.mirko-krokop.com, that a dream matchup between Krokop and... Jerome LeBanner is potential at uh, Dream 4, which is the next, or actually, which is going to take place after the second round of the Lightweight Grand Prix, which is going to take place on May 11th. Um, it says that earlier this week, uh, Crow Cop um, said that there was rumors of his next opponent being a K1 star. And uh, that's the strong opponent, and that it's going to be a, um, a southpaw. Is fighting against a southpaw. He, Mirko didn't talk too much about his upcoming opponent, but when he asked, when when he was asked specifically about LeBanner, uh, the answer was a mystic grin and an oh, that one would be good, right? All other questions about potential opponents were met with no comment. So it's highly likely that we're going to see a stand-up fight at Dream 4 between Miracle Krokop and Jerome LeBanner or Miracle Krokop versus potentially another K1 um, kickboxer. Miracle Krokop is going to make a special guest appearance at an uh, MMA event being held on May 3rd from, uh, in the Czech Republic. It's known as Hellcage, and Hellcage will feature top international competition and high-class bouts. Featuring UFC legend Dan the B. Severn, who's going to be headlining the event. He's 84 wins, 14 losses, 
seven draws, and he will be fighting against Pavel Botka, who has three wins and six losses. Six losses, and he's from Slovakia. Um, Severn won't be the only warrior crossing the Atlantic to be in the Hell Cage. Once two unknown fighters from Peru are also scheduled to be featured on the card. Uh, Portuguese ace Rafael Silva, who's 23 wins, 7 losses, is also rumored to participate and fight against home star Andre Rangers, who's 8 wins, 6 losses <clears throat> in his MMA history. Moving on to the Japanese section of the podcast, we're going to take a look at Sengoku's event number 2, which is being planned for May 18th, which is a week after Dream 3. The lightweight uh, round two. On this card are some really notable names. The headlining event is going to introduce to us Josh Barnett, one of our very own toughforums.com representatives, versus Jeff Munson. Munson is a nasty man when it comes to the grappling situation of mixed martial arts. Also on the fight is Kevin Randleman versus Ryo Kawamura. Uh, Dan Hornbuckle is fighting Mike Pyle. Nakao Yoshihiro is fighting Big Jim York. Yuki Sasaki is fighting George Santiago. Sataro Kitsuoka is fighting Ian Schaefer. And Iji Mitsuka is fighting Quang He Lee. Quang He Lee is also one of, uh, a rising star in mixed martial arts, so we can see or we can look forward to seeing a lot from him. Also on the event scheduled to fight is Roger Gracie, or Roger Gracie, he's fighting TBA. TBA always comes out to fight, he fights multiple fights and nights. Uh, Dream number two just took place, and it was the Middleweight Grand Prix. It was a very, very exciting event, as we had some upsets, and we had some fights that we thought were going to happen the way they did. Uh, first on the board was the Shinya Aoki versus Gezius Calvaganti fight. Um, last time they fought, it was a, it was the the fight was called in a DQ or a no contest per se because of Jay Z Calvaganti. He uh, did some elbows to uh, Shinya Aoki the back of his head, and he became injured in the fight. So they prolonged the fight. It happened. Um, in the middleweight Grand Prix, but it's actually not a middleweight Grand Prix fight. It's a lightweight Grand Prix fight. Um, the fight, um, you know, took place, um, and I thought, I th really thought that Jay-Z, you know, Gazius Calvacante, he was going to come out, and I thought he was really going to put a ground and pound down on, on Shinya Aoki, but Shinya Aoki did a really good job of exercising his rubber guard. He kept on pulling guard on, on Gazius, and then he'd pull his left leg up and over um, the back of uh, Gazius's neck, and it would kind of force uh, Gaseous to um, to be in a ball, you know, in his guard, as opposed to uh, allowing uh, Gaseous to uh, create some room and then, you know, make it rain on Shinya, and actually uh, Gaseous was uh, was able to do that a couple times, and, and actually um, was able to, you know, give Shinya some good some good ground pound, but none of it was able to, to actually do some lasting damage or to, to knock him out. <laughs> Um, next on the fight was the Kazushi Sakuraba fight versus the Andrews Nakahara fight, and, and uh, this was one of the fights that a lot of people knew that Kazushi Sakuraba was going to come out in the first round and pretty much just tap the guy out. Um, one of the upsets of the night was Taiken versus Ikuasha, 
Ikuisa, I'm sorry, Minua, who's also known as the Minua Man. He's probably one of the biggest favorites in Je in Japan. Um, another fight on the uh, card was the Zelg Gelsic fight versus Magamond versus uh, Magamond Salt Convent. Sorry if I messed up your name, my friend. Um, Zelg was the favorite to win that one, and I picked him to win via knockout, but he actually won via tap out, which is um, which was an arm bar. Uh, Shugo Oyama vs. Dong Sik Yun. Dong Sik Yun is very known for his arm bars, so I picked him to win via arm bar submission in the first round. He actually won via judge's decision. Now, one of the fights of the night, which was the hot bout, was Kiyoshi Tamura vs. Masakatsu Funaki. And Kiyoshi Tamura came out and laid a, a whooping down on uh, Funaki and knocked him out in the first round. And then there's the upset of the night, which was Dennis Kang versus Gagard Musasi. Kang is one of the most notable fighters. At one time, he was actually one of the top ten um, for his weight class in, in the world. And then uh, he comes in and he fights um, uh, Misaki and he gets knocked out. And then his next fight against Gagard Musasi... He gets tapped out in the first round in a triangle choke. I was very uh, unimpressed, and I was actually kind of hoping that Kang would go th through the second round and, and potentially, you know, make it to the finals because I was hoping for a Dennis Kang versus a Ronaldo Jacare fight. And then we all know Ronaldo uh, Jacare won his fight against um, Ian Murphy in the first round via Madaleon. AKA rear naked choke. As we move on to the Ultimate Fighting Championship, we're going to talk about UFC 85, Matt Hughes versus Thiago Alves to be the headliner. Also on that card is Rashad Evans versus James Irvin and Michael Bisbing versus Chris Lieben. Um, on Saturday, June 7th, Welterweight Matt, uh, legend Matt Hughes will go against the Pitbull, Thiago Alves, in the main event for UFC 85. It's going to take place in London, England. Now, after this fight, Hughes has expressed his his um, his want and his concern to, uh, to fight um, Sarah after this fight, which I think is also going to be a pretty interesting matchup. But on the matchup between Thiago Alves and Matt Hughes... I'm interested to see what Thiago is going to do if he gets taken down on his back. If the um, you know the ATT American Top Team, um, they have extremely great grappling coaches, and uh, most of their you know fighters that come out of their camp are very well rounded both on the on the ground and on the stand up. So I'm really interested to see what happens once it does go to the ground. If he keeps it standing, I'm excited to see Thiago Alves potentially you know throw some knees, maybe some kicks. His punches are good, but I want to see some good kicks to the legs of Hughes and, and, and cut him down, you know? Cut him down like, like a tree. Like a big old tree he is. Lastly, on episode 6, I want to talk about Adrenaline MMA. MMA rated as the scoop on some new details regarding Adrenaline MMA's first show on June 14th. Already known was a matchup between Jeff Munson and Mike Russo, but the promoter Monte Cox has informed MMARated.com 
that Elite XC fighter Aaron Rosa will be fighting on the card as well as IFL fighter Bart Palazitsky. Palazitsky. The Illinois native Palazitsky will be facing former UFC fighter Jeff Cox. Also, the former UFC fighter Terry Martin will face Daiju Takasi in a middleweight battle. Along with those fights, the rest of the fight card looks like this. Jeff Munson vs. Mike Russo, Tony Frickland vs. Brian Gathaway, Terry Martin vs. Daiju Takasi, Rory Markham vs. TBD, or TBA, Aaron Rosa vs. TBA, and Bart Palazitsky vs. Jeff Cox. Now, a lot of people are getting adrenaline MMA uh, mixed up with the um, promotion that's actually called Affliction that's going to be taking care of the Tim Sylvia Fedor Emelianenko fight, which Matt Lindland's also been rumored to sign on that card as well. A lot of people are mixing up Adrenaline MMA with Affliction and MMA. It's important that they're two people understand they're two different organizations, although Tim Sylvia has talked about fighting for both of them because they don't do exclusive contracts similar to how the UFC plays the game. With that being said, we're going to take it out the way we always do. We're going to end this episode with a fighter's entrance. Remember, a fighter once entered to this um, music here, and the options to choose who it is are all listed at worldofmixedmartialarts.com. Please choose. I want to thank Divok for participating in the last, on episode 5, uh, Name That Fighter. He was correct. That actually, I actually entered two options. One was Sergei Karatanov, and one was Fedor Emelianenko. I was hoping that participants would choose one or the other, and I could say, hey, you won. Um, and so thank you, Divach, for participating. And here we go with Name That Fighter.